This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome to Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Monday, January the 28th. I'm your host, D.A., and while the entire sports universe prepares for Super Bowl week, while most of the national media and local media are in Atlanta for Super Bowl 53 hype, the bombshell and the news of the day comes to us from the NBA, where reports at New Orleans are that Rich Paul, agent of Anthony Davis, has alerted the Pelicans that his client wants a trade. Perhaps we knew this was inevitable. The Pelicans have been unable to build a winner around AD, one of the best players in the NBA. But still, the reality is a cold one for New Orleans. And the reality is also that there's a team out there that's been shopping for AD hard that can't get into the fray until the offseason. That would be the Boston Celtics. And so where do the Pelicans go from here a week before the trade deadline and months before the offseason? Everyone around the country is talking about this today, so let's start in New York on WFAN, where Joe and Evan, Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts discussed whether this feels and smells like a LeBron power play because of timing. Rich Paul, the agent for LeBron James and Anthony Davis, decided to tell the Pelicans and tell the world, my client, Anthony Davis, will not sign the Supermax extension on July 1st. And I remember we talked about this briefly a few weeks ago, that it's going to become obvious for the Pelicans on July 1st. They're eligible to offer him this quote-unquote Supermax extension. Right. If Anthony right. Davis accepts it, great. He stays in New Orleans. If he doesn't accept it, it means he wants out, and then you have to trade him. Rich Paul decided, I'm going to beat everybody to the chase. I'm going to pick this day, Monday, January 28th, to be the day where I tell everybody the world right. that I want Anthony Davis traded. And he did it for one reason. He didn't do it for his client. No, 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 no. Didn't do it for Anthony Davis because he didn't do Anthony Davis any favors today. Because now Anthony Davis is a pariah in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to like him. Right. And trust right. me, the people in New Orleans right now, they're not in great moods. They're not happy right now. No, no, based on what happened last week, no. no. So now they're told they're one of their great athletes is watched out. Yeah, you know, now you want to play a guessing game? Why do you think Rich Paul decided today of all days to tell the Pelicans, trade my client? You want to know why? Tell me why. Why today? Because LeBron freaking James said so. Oh, is that why? Because think LeBron about basically this. told him this is the day you should go out and say yes. you want to trade him. Well, let, let's. Because you know he wants to play with him in LA. You know he, that. He only said it a few no, weeks ago. Of course. But let's let's look at the facts. So there's a weird, bizarre rule. It's not even worth arguing about because it's just some dumb rule where the Boston Celtics cannot yeah, trade you told for Anthony me about Davis. This crazy, something to do with Kyrie Irving, right? Yes, there's a Derrick Rose contract exemption, mm-hmm. and a team is not allowed to have two guys with that kind of contract on their roster. I see. Kyrie Irving has it. Right. So right. until Kyrie Irving opts out on July 1st, which he will, even if he stays, he's opting out and then resigns. 
They are not allowed to trade for Anthony Davis unless they include Kyrie Irving, which they're not going to do, right? So we already know. Rich Paul knows this. He's a smart guy. He's an evil guy in a fun sense. <laughs> a fun evil guy. He's uh, not, you know. Fun evil. Yeah, right. Well, you know what I mean. No, I understand. He's not I, really I, he's, evil. he's not dangerous. No, no, no. He's It's sports. Sports sense, right, everybody. Right, Calm down. Right. right? Sports fun. Uh, he knows the Celtics have the most to offer. He knows this, right? We all know this. He also knows Danny Ainge better go get Anthony Davis because what the hell have the Celtics won with all those picks they got from Brooklyn? What do they want? They went out and they signed Gordon Hayward. Have you watched him? He's a shell of his former self. Not even the same guy. They won nothing. Danny Ainge knows, man, I got to trade for Anthony Davis. He can't trade for Anthony Davis till July. Till after July. July. Right. Yeah. So, boom, they're out. They're out. They're out. Wow. So it's the Lakers. And LeBron wants Anthony Davis because the old man, LeBron James, who isn't even healthy right now, realizes that all the young talent around him ain't getting him past the Warriors. He knows this. He's right. He knows this. So he wants Anthony Davis. So he said to Rich Paul, get me Anthony Davis. Rich Paul said, all right, let's figure out how we're going to do this. Here's what I'll do. I'll try to pressure the Pelicans into trading him before the trade deadline. What is the deadline? February 7th, is if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And I don't think the Pelicans are going to agree to it. Because the Pelicans should wait until the summer when the Celtics are involved, when they know who wins the lottery, who could potentially draft Zion Williamson or Jean Morant or R.J. Barrett or whomever. There's no reason for them to trade him now. But that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get Anthony Davis to the Lakers. And I hope the Pelicans, at least for now, say, we're not just going to give you what you want. We're not just going to send Anthony Davis to the Lakers like we work for you. And that's why this bomb was dropped. And I say this from experience. You have this experience. I have this experience. I am so sick and tired of falling in love with superstars and dreaming about getting them and giving up half my roster. So to all the Knicks fans out there and all my fellow Net fans out there, they are not in on Anthony Davis, nor should they be in on Anthony Davis. That's not a knock on Anthony Davis. It's a knock on the idea that I've got to basically take all my young assets mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and ship them over to New Orleans for a guy who may not even resign oh, with me. He wouldn't. What do you mean, may not? The fact that the Celtics cannot get involved until July, and the fact that I would assume the Pelicans want to trade him somewhere where they know just how high and how talented the assets are makes this really intriguing. I mean, if you're New Orleans, wouldn't you want to wait until the offseason, at least after the lottery, to know if you're trading with a team that that team's pick is number one or number two or number three. Let's say the Pelicans have designs on trying to get Zion Williamson for AD. Wouldn't they want to know where Zion ultimately goes? Would they try to pull off a trade now when they don't even have another rich bidder in it in terms of the Celtics? It seems like the timing is very, very interesting, but it suggests that maybe the Lakers are the ones behind this and LeBron being one of the guys behind this. Rich Paul is the agent of not only LeBron, but also AD. And so many people around the country are asking, is going to the Lakers a foregone conclusion for AD? Here's Joe Lowe and Dibs on 95-7 The Game in San Francisco. LeBron just turned 34 years old. He knows. He's not an idiot. He knows there are only a few good years, great years, I should say, left in the tank. Now, he's taken such good care of himself, sure. He might be able to stretch this thing five or six years. But as a true elite first-class playmaker who can make a significant difference in a championship series, he's only got a couple years left of that. Now, that's not meant to be a slight. 
It's just father time catches up with everyone. And he has got so much wear on his legs. You can tell me all you want about Tom Brady. The amount of mileage this guy has put on his body, not just in the regular season. Look at all of his postseason runs. If you go to the finals eight years in a row, how many additional regular seasons are you playing when you add up all those games? Is it three? It's darn near three. That's 246 games, and I think he's played 215 or 220 playoff games. And he came out of high school, not college. So how many years does he really have on that body? He takes great care of it. But, oh, by the way, LeBron James has just missed 16 consecutive games with a groin injury. Now, if he comes back for the next game and plays every game the rest of the way out, the maximum amount of games LeBron James can play is 66. That would be a career low, with the exception of the 2011-2012 season when he only played 62 games. But that was the strike season. He played 62 of 62 games that year. He knows he's getting older. He knows he doesn't have a ton of time. He saw Boston on Saturday night go neck and neck with the Warriors. He knows the threat the Warriors pose, and he knows if Davis ends up with Kyrie Irving in Boston, which couldn't happen until this summer, it's over for him. Because even if he finds his way past the Warriors, he's not getting past the Celtics. So he's trying to run Luke Walton out. That was domino one last week. It happened almost at the exact same time that Jackie Mack breaks the story about him trying to run Luke out. But then part two, Rich Paul's telling New Orleans they want Anthony Davis to be traded. Rich Paul happens to be the longtime friend and agent of LeBron James. I don't see this guy having any more patience. I think initially his plan was patience. He's looked around at his team and he's realized, you know what? I don't want to go to the playoffs and lose in the first round this year. I want to get right back in the thick of this thing, and that's what he's directing. I think that's what's happening. Yeah, he, he may be. I just don't know if he's going to run Luke out. I really believe Luke's going to be there. I do not think LeBron James can get Luke out of there. I really think that Luke is going to be a fixture. And I I do not, I do not believe Luke Walton is going anywhere. I think that LeBron wants Anthony Davis. I think if you look at what's been set up, we're talking about him going to dinner and all the different things that LeBron has done to try to get Anthony Davis there. He wants him there. At the same type of agent. They know one another. He's been pushing for this. Now, you know, Anthony Davis has went to his organization and said he wants to be traded. The Lakers need a guy like this. Here's a guy that you can get rid of Ingram. You see what's going on. You bring in now Anthony Davis. And you can you can say now they are a legitimate threat. Are they Will they still be better than the Warriors? No. You still need more because you, two guys can't beat five. They have five all-stars, the Warriors, that is. So Anthony Davis would help this team. Now you get, get another guy in the next season, next offseason, go get another big-time free agent. Now you're saying, I'm ready to compete. But Anthony Davis would be a huge, huge piece for the Lakers or any organization. Right, any team. Any team. And any I'm team. thinking they'd have to give up Kuzma. You'd have to give up Ingram. You'd have to give up Ball. And maybe something else, maybe a, a first round pick you're not as well. Up Kuzma. Kuzma's You've not, got to because Kuzma's you're not. not for if sale. you're New Orleans and he is, Kuzma's not for sale. They're not trying to sell him. You're trying to trade him. Though. <laughs> just, if, if you're funny. New Orleans, you're not accepting Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. You're not accepting any package that doesn't include Kyle Kuzma. In my opinion, you're giving up a generational player, a seven foot freakazoid who can do it all and instantly help your team. You're not going to just take back. The, the garbage from L.A. or their detritus, as we like to say. The Lakers certainly have assets to give up. They've got young Lonzo Ball. They've got young Brandon Ingram. They've got young Kyle Kuzma. They've got assets, and they'll have draft picks that obviously would be very enticing to the Pelicans. But again, if this is about LeBron James and the Lakers trying to bring in Anthony Davis... 
yes, it's fine that they're in on the bidding, but if you're the Pelicans, I would think that it makes a lot more sense to try to wait until you see what the Celtics are available and able to give up in the offseason. And again, the Celtics can't get involved until Kyrie Irving re-signs with the Celtics or leaves as a free agent. So unless you're going to trade Kyrie Irving, which I don't think the Celtics have any inclination of doing, the Pelicans have one of the biggest shoppers, one of the biggest spenders out there, unable to get into the fray until July. But will they try to pull off a trade before then? Will the Lakers force their hand? Does AD want to play in a contender this year? Which, let's face it, would be the Lakers far more than the Pelicans. All question marks as we now start this week with the AD news. Let's go down to WWL First News in New Orleans to get the sense of what's going on there in the Big Easy. Nothing easy about this, and timing is terrible following how the Saints lost last weekend. Let's hear what they're saying. Is it possible this is actually decent timing for the Pels? You could maybe have seen this coming for a little while now with the with Anthony Davis, and he's got one more year on his current deal, and then basically he is up for the richest contract in NBA history, a contract only the Pelicans here in New Orleans can offer him. And it sounds like, as he said in recent weeks, that he's kind of valuing his legacy and winning over the money. There's ways you can get close to the amount of money that the Falcons can offer him, but not quite get there exactly. So it sounds like he wants to win. He wants to leave a legacy, as you said, look for a better opportunity to win NBA championships than what's kind of been presented here in New Orleans to him. Right now, they're on pace to miss the playoffs. They are six games below um, the eighth seed in the Western Conference. I think they're six games below 500 as well. So it, it makes a little bit of sense. I think him kind of saying he wants to trade now is actually good for the Pelicans. They can plan for this. The NBA trade deadline is a week from Thursday. Now they're not going to go and trade future assets or a young guy like Frank Jackson to bring immediate help for Anthony Davis to try and maybe on the outside chance this team can get back into the playoffs. They can start planning for the future accordingly, which they weren't really able to do yesterday before this news broke. Who who do you blame for this, Anthony Davis or the organization? Look, there's some blame to be put on Anthony Davis, but at the end of the day, it's his career. He wants to chase after what matters most to him, which is winning. And, you know, the New Orleans franchise, the Pelicans' general manager, Del Demps in particular, has not built a winner around him in his seven years here. He'll have made the playoffs twice and won exactly five playoff games. That's not going to leave you that lasting legacy that lets you go down as one of the best players of all time. Davis has been injured. He's missed a handful of games here and there. Uh, but overall, just the, the talent around him has not been enough to compete. Otherwise, I think you would have seen better success here. And in the press release through his agent, Rich Paul, it said he wants to go to a place where he can win consistently. And I think that's kind of the key here. And the Pelicans had, you know, a top five player in the NBA kind of fall into their laps, a once-in-a-lifetime generational talent, and they've squandered it. What does it say, or what do you think it means for the future of the Pelicans here, viability of the franchise here? You know, it it certainly hurts in the short term. I still feel pretty confident about the long-term health of the franchise staying in New Orleans. Gail Benson was a driving force behind Tom Benson buying this team when originally he was kind of reluctant to do so. I don't think she would want to sell the team and have them move out of state and maybe tarnish his legacy, something she seems very focused on. However, if they start losing money and operating in the red, I think that's when these questions come up. 
losing your star player, having dwindling attendance, less interest in the team can certainly create a situation like that. But I think for the most part, you know, they're locked in through the next five years. So I think they'll be okay for now. But it does open the door for a possible move much further down the line. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. So for New Orleans, at least they now know before this trade deadline, don't acquire assets to try to build around Anthony Davis. The guy's already gone. So yes, it helps them from that standpoint, but man, what a gut punch for fans in New Orleans having drafted and tried to watch the development without any type of angst around one of the best players in basketball, but knowing at the deepest part of your heart it's probably not going to end well, and now the reality setting in that he's not going to be your guy for much longer. So if we're not talking about Anthony Davis, we're talking about Tom Brady as he embarks on his ninth Super Bowl week. Absolutely outrageous. And the question is, how much longer can Tom Brady do this? Is there any reason to believe that he might retire after winning potentially the Super Bowl on Sunday? He joined Mutt and Callahan on WEEI in Boston. Right, I'm going to hit you with a question that you're probably not going to hear all week. I don't know that anyone's ever asked you this before, but <laughs> when do you think you're going to retire, Tom? <laughs> I don't know when the I don't know when the exact time's going to be. Um, you know, I said earlier, it just it'll it'll feel right. But like I said, I set a goal that I want to play to my mid 40s, and and I you know I work, you know I, I have you know, long-term goals, short-term goals. And, but you just gotta, you know, you gotta treat your body right. I mean, your body's, you got one body and, you know, if you decide to, you know, bury it and drive it into the ground and, you know, it's, it's, that's what's going to happen. So, you know, I, I committed a long time ago to just, you know, everything that Alex and I talk about and just treating your body the right way and giving it the right foods to eat and, you know, make sure I'm drinking the right things and, Make sure, you know, he and I, you know, are staying up on all our treatments and the right amount of strength. And in the end, it's just, it comes down to some discipline. I mean, you got to have discipline in order to do it. I think that's one thing I've learned over the years. You can tell people, hey, man, because a lot of people come to me and say, what do I do? What's the one thing? And I'll say, it's not one thing. It's just, it's kind of everything. It's all these choices. I mean, in your job, it's the same thing. I mean, if you're good at your job, you know, requires, you know, daily acts and it's doing a lot of the right things over and over and over again, and then becoming more efficient over and over again. And that's whether it's a relationship, whether it's, you know, your work career, you know, whether it's your body, you know, it's the same thing. You just, you got to do the right things more often than not. And, you know, that's, that's the approach that I've taken and it's really worked well for me. Has there ever been a time where you weren't sure if you were all in, if you questioned that? No, because I was in, you know, I said before, I was in a lot of pain when I was a younger player. When I was 25, I, I worried, how can I play football when I'm hurt all the time? When every day I wake up, I'm sore, you know? And I was doing what I had learned in college and what I saw a lot of guys do when they were young, and I was just copying them because that's what you do. And then I learned from Willie, 
you know, after my, after my arm was hurting so bad that I couldn't do training camp. And he's like, dude, you got to do something different. You got to come work with Alex. And I did. And I never haven't had arm pain since. And that arm pain, you know, the same way I treated my arm was the same way that I treated my knee. And it's still the same way that I treat, you know, my ankles, my knees, my hips, my shoulders, you know, all these things that you see all these athletes have problems with. And, you know, I'm fortunate to be 41 and, you know, still feel like I can go out there and perform at a championship level. And it, again, it takes effort. You know, I'm certainly put effort into it. You know, I certainly um, requires the discipline to do it. And, but for me, it, it's not that, it's not that hard because I love to do it. You know, I, I, I really like the way that I feel. And when you feel great, I mean, I don't know why I would go, ever go back to wanting to feel badly because that doesn't make sense to me. So is that something what you would tell Rodney Harrison? So he came out over the weekend and said, you know, as Tom's friend, I would tell him if he wins this weekend uh, to walk away for his health and doesn't want to see you get hurt. Is that the speech you give when guys like Harrison and others suggest, hey, get out while the getting is good? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't talk, you know, I haven't talked to Rodney about that. You know, I, I don't think anyone wants to see anyone get hurt. But, I mean, you could be 24 and get hurt. You can be 26 and get hurt. I mean, it's a contact sport. So, you know, Anything can happen, um, but again, you just do your best to prepare your body for, you know, the types of hits you're going to take. And again, it's just a year-long process. It's I never really get out of shape. I stay in good shape. You know, I love playing football and I love the competition and I love competing at the highest level. And I don't know what's, you know, more fun for me than running out like we did against Kansas City, you know, in the biggest game of our season in front of seventy thousand people, and you know, coming away with a win. That was one of the great joys of my life so you know I don't understand you know when it when it does end I mean I think you can never go back as an athlete and you know I don't it's not like I'm going to retire for a year and then come back when I'm 43 I mean I'm going to I'm just going to keep playing and when I feel like I don't want to make the commitment or I feel like you know I've had enough then I've had enough but I don't again that's not in my view you know this year and next year, the year after that, you know, I just want to keep playing because I really love it and I'm having a lot of fun. When he said there's a 0% chance that he would retire after the year if they win the Super Bowl on Sunday, that doesn't surprise me. If there is ever a time that Tom Brady would be emboldened not to retire, it would be right now. Look, he just had two very good playoff games, one at home, one on the road, and finds himself in a Super Bowl again. If Tom Brady struggled over the course of the regular season, came out in the playoffs, and threw up a 16 of 36 stinker with three interceptions, I might buy it a time to retire. But instead, they went out and dismantled the Chargers, and Brady was very good in that game. And then in the AFC title game, even though he nearly threw three interceptions, one of which which would have iced the game had D. Ford not been offsides by the Chiefs, still in overtime when it mattered, third and ten converted, third and ten converted, third and ten converted, and then the touchdown. Why would Tom Brady retire now to retire on top? You know, this is a team that's going to win the division next year before they even step foot on the field. The Jets, the Bills, the Dolphins, they're not even close to trying to track down the Patriots and the AFC East. So if you're Brady, yeah, you might retire if this ended poorly this season, but right now, at worst, it ends in a Super Bowl. 
this is the last thing Brady is thinking about right now. He's absolutely coming back next season. Now, if next year it ends poorly and we see more erosion of his game, then we can talk seriously about whether or not he's going to retire. Right now, no way. And it doesn't just take an NFL city like an AFC East rival that's been pounded time and time again by Tom Brady to want him to retire. Let's even go to Memphis at 92.9 FM and the Jeff Calkins Show as these guys are discussing when will Tom Brady finally look his age? Tom Brady will be back next year and awesome. Believe it or not. I absolutely believe it because at this point, what are we doing saying that he's not going to be? Well, he said there's a 0% chance. Yesterday, he said there's a 0% chance he, that this will be his last game. Yes. So, or yeah, over the weekend, he said that. I don't know. When, when the, so he, there's a 0%. That seems like he's coming back. Right? Yes. When the hell is that guy getting old? I don't know because this year. Like, he, it's so bizarre. He Everyone com- gets old. He completed 65.8% of his passes, so nearly two-thirds of his passes. He was still throwing at 7.6 yards per attempt, 29 touchdowns, 11, t- or 11 interceptions, like, Here's what I don't understand. He was about still an elite NFL quarterback. What I don't understand about it is I totally get the effectiveness of a quarterback in the NFL is largely dependent on his brain, his ability to process information, yes. to size things up, yes. to make decisions quickly, reads and reactions. The right place, reads reactions, et cetera. But if that's all there was to it, Peyton Manning would have been good at the end of his career because he had all that same mm-hmm. stuff that he always had, yep. and yet he got old. Yeah. And so he therefore literally, there is an element of mm-hmm. have to be able to make the throw. Sure. You, you, the first thing, you also critical, but then you have to be able to make the throws, and every quarterback before Tom Brady mm-hmm. – has gotten old, like right. Joe Montana. When he right. goes to Kansas, he's not the same guy. Right. He all same smart, same probably better than ever at processing information because you've seen everything. Sure. And yet there comes a moment when they're old; they can't do this any longer. Sure. When the hell is that going to happen to Tom Brady? I don't know. I mean, look at look at it with with Peyton. Peyton had the neck problem, and so I mean, really, the only injury. Yeah, but, 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 yeah, but it's, is it injury? Is it some of it's just age, though? It should be just age. I think there's an element of that, but I also think we have to give some credit to. I think Brady probably took care of his body better than Peyton did, better than Joe Montana did. I mean, I because he's eating more, drinking more kale. Right, juice. he's doing this whole pseudoscience stuff, but he clearly takes care of his God, body in a different way. I don't blame anybody in Memphis, Buffalo, New York, Philadelphia, Miami, Denver. L.A., Baltimore, Pittsburgh, or anywhere else across the country if they are crossing their fingers and just hoping Brady is satisfied, Giselle pulls him out, and they just want to ride off happily into the sunset because as long as Brady is under center for the Patriots, there is a lock on the division, and you have to fear the Patriots going into the playoffs. Yes, at some point in time, age will catch up to them, Unfortunately, for the rest of the country, it's just not at this point in time. And maybe it's kale juice, and maybe it's avocado ice cream, and maybe it's something else. But right now, Tom Brady is showing slight erosion, but not enough to not go back to the Super Bowl. And finally, let's end on a lighter note. It's Super Bowl week, and so we all have our memories flooding back of the best ones we've ever watched. 
We try to forget about most of the 80s because those were demolitions, blowouts, where the NFC just handed it to the AFC. But really, we've been fortunate over the last decade plus we've had annually pretty good Super Bowls. And so the guys at 97 won the ticket in Detroit. Jamie and Stoney ask, what was your favorite Super Bowl? Last time they had the Super Bowl in Atlanta, um, there was a big article in Sports Illustrated this weekend. Quite an epic uh, week. Oh, right. You had the ice storm, it, total ice storms. The game itself, Rams and uh, Titans. Maybe it'll get mentioned as your all-time favorite Super Bowl. There was a lot that happened in that game. Great ending in that game. And uh, not exactly a great ending for um, friends of Ray Lewis. Uh, so a lot happened uh, in that particular game. But anyway, with Super Bowl week upon us and Super Bowl 53 coming up from Atlanta, we thought we'd go back in the old memory banks and ask you, what is your all-time favorite Super Bowl? And we don't expect you to know it by number. You can just kind of describe yeah. it to us. I don't expect someone to call and go, XLI, unless you want to. You're more than welcome to, but we'd probably have to cross-reference it. Um, God, there's, there's obviously there's a lot of nominees. There's a lot of stinkers as well. I mean, Chargers, uh, 49ers, probably one of the worst Super Bowls. Sorry, oh. I mean, it was a blowout, but... I think one of the most, the most overrated Super Bowls, the Jets Colts. Yeah, I don't six, know. Six, I, I know six. the I know the history of that game, right. but I don't know anything about that. But game. I, I'm going to go with I think one of the most underrated Super Bowls. I mean, I, I have three, but I'm going to pick the Steelers Cardinals. Great Super game. Bowl. It was just great. A great game. It was just a great game. I mean, you know, the first half was a little slow, but you had the touchdown at the end of the half by Harrison, which yeah. which is really. Maybe the most remarkable play yes. in Super Bowl history. And then, you know, Fitzgerald scoring with about two and a half left, and then the Santonio Holmes play. I mean, you had a great end in the first half. You had a great ending to the game. So that's, you know, you could, there's, that's my, I think that's one of the most underrated ones, too. Oh, yeah. I think that's, a, that's an outstanding pick. There's, there's some obvious ones that are going to get mentioned. Really, the last two Super Bowls we've had. The Eagles and the oh, Pats, yes. and then the Falcons and the Pats. Both of those were but the, thrilling but the, games. But the, but the, see, the, I thought about the Falcons and the Pats, but it really was a blowout till the. I mean, so the second half was unbelievable. But I'm t- I'm trying to figure out a Super Bowl that you know throughout the entire game. True. Like the, if you're gonna go with the, any of the recent ones, yeah, the Eagles that was a, that was right up there. Patriot, but I mean, look any any I mean any game you have that re- that requires a, a dramatic comeback okay. is going to come in two parts. I right. mean, the the Bills. Um, uh, uh, Oilers, you know, the famous comeback right. game, the Frank Reich. Right. Yeah, you're going to have a pretty lousy part of it to lead up to the greatness of the comeback. But like the Harbaugh Super Bowl was a complete blowout till the Harbaugh, yeah, till the blackout. Till the blackout, and then yeah. it became unbelievable. I mean, the, uh, the Seahawks Patriots was a great, especially the second half. Yeah, I don't see. I didn't, I didn't, that was that great of a game. The ending was, was magnified. Yeah, but the curse play and all that stuff. Right. Not to mention the Butler play. I, I think Sony's 43 is one of the great games ever. Cardinals, P. Sealers. Yes. Okay. I, to me, that, that game had everything that you wanted. You had the legacy of Warner. Uh, the end of the game, the San Antonio Holmes catch was maybe the best catch in Super Bowl history. You might have had the best defensive play in Super Bowl history. Um, Let me ask I you. I think a, 32 is a great Super Bowl. The LA, uh, the Broncos beating the Packers. Yeah. A huge upset. Uh, Elway finally got his, and it really was a great game back mm-hmm. and forth. I think most of the game was within a possession. Man, those are good ones. The ending of the Steelers-Cardinals game that absolutely had it all. Larry Fitzgerald taking it to the house, and then the Steelers led by Roethlisberger and Santonio Holmes marching down the field for the game winner as time expired. John Elway in 1997 getting his first ring. 
all of those years of getting pounded by the NFC, and then finally against the Packers as huge underdogs, doing the windmill, diving for the first down, twisting around in the air, and finally getting that W was awesome. And then the Bills-Giants game, Super Bowl twenty-five, where really Bill Belichick's legacy began. He won the Super Bowl a couple of years earlier as defensive coordinator for the Giants, but that was really a dismantling of Elway and the Broncos. In that game, Belichick's Giants defense, the scheme itself, shut down an offense that was thought to be unstoppable. Buffalo's K-Gun offense, limiting them to just 19 points, and the Giants get the dramatic 20-19 victory. We'll have all week to go back over Super Bowl memories. This is just the tip of the iceberg. This is your best in sports talk. For Monday, January the 28th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 